0: Badger fans, are we are we getting a little ahead of our skis here? Do we need to pull back a little bit on the, the hype train for, for the receiving group, for Mordecai? Well, let's talk about it. You are Locked On Badgers, your daily podcast on the Wisconsin Badgers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, Badger fans? Welcome to Locked on Badgers. I'm your host, Ryan Harrings, your team every single day for all the everydayers. Y'all are amazing. I can't wait to have this conversation. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the GameTime app, create an account and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. All right, and right, I'm going to bring John Vogel in. Um, I'm excited for this one because we've talked about this a lot, Badger fans. The goal of the show is to bring people on that are smarter than me, and I think we're accomplishing that today. But that has <laughs> different perspectives and different right. Like let's let's have different conversations so we can all get a little smarter, think a little differently. John um, is a draft analyst over at NFL Draft Lounge, has a podcast called Sick Pod NFL Draft, which we're going to give him a chance to talk about as well. But John, I want to just start here because you came to my attention. Um, some Badger fans got on you a little bit for some takes. Mm-hmm. I want to start here though with Tanner Mordecai uh, coming in from SMU. Are we? W- what's the ceiling here with Tanner Mordecai? And are we? We had a conversation about potential top five Heisman. Could he get into that discussion? Where are we at here on the realism factor?
1: Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say top five Heisman. Um, ta- so Tanner, obviously, like I think we are all really familiar with his background. Was it was with Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma? Was a backup behind Colin Murray and Spencer Rattler. He transfers to SMU and he put together a couple of really good years there. Um, I think that there there's there's some intriguing things on tape, right? I think that um he he's typically pretty accurate sometimes it's a little erratic uh that could also been just smu in general with you know receivers and quarterbacks not being on the same page you know you can move he moves he's capable moving outside of the pocket uh and and he's shown that he can work through his progressions so the couple things that I'm, i'm a little bit concerned with is first off i don't think his arm strength is great right and, you know, when you look at some of these guys in this co- in this class, Bo Nix is a guy that can sling the ball. Michael Penix is a guy that can sling the ball. When you go even into the Big Ten, J.J. McCarthy is a guy that can sling the ball. They, got, they have big arms and can throw really well. And Mordecai is not that kind of a guy that's going to drive a ball with a lot of velocity. That's not a bad thing. You know, it just means that you have to play to your strengths, which is I have to get this ball to the right spot and I got to get it on time. You know, sort of like what Peyton Manning did and what Joe Burrow's doing right now, what Aiden O'Connell is did at Purdue last year, in the last few years. You know, that's kind of where Mordecai is as a quarterback. And, and as a result, uh, you do want to temper that back a little bit, the expectations a little bit, because sometimes unless you're elite as, as that type of a quarterback, it's really hard to make an impact uh, on a Heisman race.
0: Let me ask you this. So I've had a lot of conversations this offseason, different people on, you know, and Mordecai coming from SMU, going into the Big Ten, there is a train of thought, well, it's going to be a lot tougher, right? Big Ten defenses, Big Mm -hmm. Ten athletes. And let's face it, everything about big programs is typically at a higher level. The coaching staffs are typically better, right? Like the schemes might be – I mean, schemes are schemes, but it's harder. But can't you make the argument that the skill around him is increasing at the same type of of clip? Like he's going to have a Wisconsin offensive line. He's going to have – Phil Longo, he's going to have Braylon Allen. Is it possible that that unlocks some of, of his game as well?
1: That's what you hope, right? Um, we're not going to know, obviously, till he takes the field. But, yeah, no, if you got oh, – Tanner McKee is a great example of that right now. Uh, you know, the quarterback that was at Stanford really struggled at Stanford, and, and that was really because of the offensive line not really being able to give him time. And, I mean, there's games that you watched him last year running for his life he comes into the preseason with the Eagles this year in Philadelphia and he's looking like a real solid backup quarterback because he's got time to throw. Uh that is a part of it. I don't think, you know, necessarily what you know Mordecai kind of fits that specific bill. I'm using that as an example to reinforce what you just kind of suggested. Um, it could help. I'm just I I'm not I'm not entirely sure where his level is. The other thing that I worry about a little bit is uh, not just arm strength but it's it's his uh watching the play sort of develop and adjusting the picture of what the defense is doing you know and some quarterbacks really struggle with that at the at any level you know they you, you give them a look pr- before the snap let's say we're gonna go cover two we're gonna show two high defenders uh, so the quarterback starts reading okay cover two I gotta see how many underneath defenders I have and then all of a sudden as they go into pre-snap uh, or post-snap, you, you snap the ball, you stop to drop back, one of those safeties drops, and now you don't know, is it one, is it three? Are we in man? Like, what's going on? You have to figure that part out again, and uh, that's one thing that he's a little bit slow at, is adjusting to the picture from pre-snap to post-snap when it changes, when the coverage changes like that. Uh, you, you're typically going to do that a little bit more in the Big Ten than you do in you know the American or a lot of the teams that SMU faced against, uh, so Though it's really the mental side that you're hoping gets unlocked for him, and yeah, they got a good staff to do it. They got some skill players across the board that can do it. Uh, we just we're not going to know obviously until he takes the field. So
0: yeah, and you talked about um, the decision making. That that's if if it's a, kind of a processing thing because he's an older player for a quarterback, obviously. That's not something that's going to really change going from SMU to Wisconsin, I think, is the point you're making there as well. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, you can break things down so that quarterbacks can, you know, uh, play well. One of the things that I think we do a lot now at every level, they really kind of trickled up from high school into college. And now they're even doing it professionally. I mean, you're you know, uh, it's designing plays so that you have a beater for coverage. So as soon as you figure out the coverage, you throw the beater to it. You know, uh, a great example is a post is a really good beater for when you got too high, when you're playing cover two, Uh, a seam, uh, you know, a running the the tight end or the slot up the seam is a great beater for cover three. Uh, As long as you got the arm strength to get it there, you know, so you, you have a lot of schemes that are being designed like that now where you're, you're really just putting a lot of beaters together and, you know, picking routes for man coverage and that kind of thing so that it's really fast for the quarterback to make that decision. I don't know if that's what Wisconsin's going to try to roll out. Fickle has done some of that stuff before, you know, and that's why I think, you know, he had the success he had with Desmond Ritter and even Evan Prater last year. Um, but I th- that's, you know, that's what you want to, you, 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 do have to see it before you can start to say, okay, yeah, Tanner is capable of doing this. Uh, you, if you can find a way to simplify it, that's a great way to get, you know, to unlock the, um, the processing side.
0: What about um, one of the questions we had is Do you think he's at the end of the year? He, um, do you think Tanner Mordecai gets drafted? Do you think he is a, a late round type pick?
1: Well, so right now all thirty two teams do consider him a free agent prospect, um, which means that just that by itself is, is someone could pick him, right? Um, that's where he's at, and so yeah, there's a there's a, there's a chance that he could. I think that uh, some teams are really intrigued by him. Yeah. Anybody really that Lincoln Riley touches, it seems like has a has a, a professional shot. But um, and this guy was there for three years, if I'm not mistaken. So um, yeah, I think that there's definitely a shot. Typically, when you have all 32 teams looking at a guy as a free agent, a team's going to use a draft pick if they want him bad enough to 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 nab him, so that they don't have to go into a you know contract battle after the draft.
0: Well, I would think, too, if he comes in and he plays well this year, which, to your point, is 100%, we have to see it. But if he mm-hmm. does that, then he checks kind of that also did it in the Big Ten, uh, yes. did it with a different offensive coordinator. I, I would imagine that would bump him up into maybe that sixth, seventh-round range, as you mentioned. Um, Absolutely, here, yeah. We, we had a show the other day. We talked about uh, – we, we lined up Mordecai against every quarterback we're going to play this year and said, who, who would we rather have, right? And there's a lot of bad quarterbacks on Wisconsin's schedule. But – one of the, the one that generated the most conversation was cam, uh, cam Ward, Cameron Ward coming out of Washington state. Mm-hmm. Who would you take? If you had the same team on both sides, who would you rather have be the quarterback for you? Cameron Ward? Or oh, cam ab-
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Ward. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think, it, I don't think it's particularly close. Um, you know, he had some issues with uh, consistency last year, obviously, but with his athletic ability, man, uh, the plays that he can make, you know, just extending it. He's not a guy that's going to run first either. Um, and he does have a really solid arm. You know, you, you could make the argument say, oh, well, he, you know, he has size issues. You know, like I, I'm concerned about, you know, him holding up or whatever that is. Whatever those concerns are with size. Size isn't always, you know, a disqualifier anymore. I mean, Dorian Thompson Robinson is not quite six foot. And he's killing it in the preseason with the Browns. He's probably going to be the backup quarterback. I mean, you know, Kyler made a career uh Jury's still out for him, especially you know after the last couple of years in Arizona. But he made a career. Drew Brees was six foot, made a career, you know. So I I, th- I would take Ward one hundred percent if I had to pick between it. I don't think it's particularly close. So
0: that's uh, interesting because and we didn't for the people watching this we didn't talk about this before the show. So I don't no. know. <laughs> uh, I don't even know if John knows where I went. So I said the literally the exact same thing. I said I think it's Ward. I don't think it's that close. And then I got. A considerable amount of blowback. So it's interesting that you, you're you right there as well. All right, we're going to take a quick break, come back with John Vogel. Um, definitely talk about this receiver room. Where is he at on this influx of talent for the Badgers? We're going to talk about the next on Lockdown Badgers. But first, a quick break for our friends of the show over at Game Time. Listen, Game Time is solving one of one of our biggest issues as fans, right? How do you get the tickets to the games and the events and the sporting things you want to go to? How do you make it less stressful, safer, easier, cheaper? That's what game time is here for. They've, they've solved this. And it's something that I remember I was trying to get Suns tickets a couple of years ago. I live in Connecticut. They were coming to, to play the Knicks and I ended up overpaying and getting terrible seats. I went anyway, right? Cause I'm, it is what it is, but game time would have made that process so much better for me. Killer deals on last minute tickets. Best price guaranteed. You can stop stressing over the tickets and get hyped for the fun that you're going to have. That's, that's what it's about. You don't want to spend 37 minutes trying to price shop. You just want to get the best ticket. Go there and do it. Browse through the games app. Talk, uh, look at the upcoming events in your area and get flash deals, last-minute tickets, exclusive flash deals on football, basketball, baseball, and concerts, comedy, theaters. The fastest-growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Download the game time app. Snake the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app. Create an account. Use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed. All right. Let's bring John back on. And Again, thank you to everybody tuning in. I love conversations like this because I think, again, we get a little smarter getting a different perspective. John, I talked about <coughs> it. It's easy to kind of get into an echo chamber. As a fan Mm -hmm. base, so I want to definitely give you an opportunity. Where can people find what you're doing, um, and where can they connect with you?
1: Yeah, so you know, obviously, you got my tag right there below me, and uh, thank you for that. That looks really nice. Now, the only thing that you're going to have to change up here is the X symbol, I think. Now, oh yeah, but it's okay. You you're good. You're good. Yeah, we we all still call it Twitter. So you know, you're still tweeting. You're still retweeting, even though that's not what it says anymore. But anyways, no. uh, So the uh, the sick me- the the sick podcast with draft ogle we just talk about scouting in general um, and how you kind of assess these players uh, in a, there's a, a scout that worked a long time for the houston oilers and his name is bricado uh, bricado had this thing where he talked about we need to share uh, our knowledge we need to share the art of scouting because it is an art and it's it's not a perfect science because you know you don't want this art to die. And be replaced by you know PFF and things like that. It wasn't you know specifically PFF at that point, but analytics becoming a, a, a larger part of it. We don't want analytics to completely take it over because you lose the human element element of the game. So that's what we talk about is just you know how the art of scouting, how you do it, what you're looking for, different things, and you know that gives us a lot of flexibility. And then also on NFL Draft Lounge, I'm you know we're putting up reports on different things there. But the best way to probably follow is on Twitter. That's awesome. X.
0: So, yeah, we'll, we'll just call it Twitter. We'll put all, <laughs> when we release the show, we'll put all that in there as well. I highly encourage people to go and uh, follow John, get a little smart on the draft and scouting process, which fits in perfectly for college fans because we're also looking at recruiting film, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's a perfect parallel there. All right, I, one more quick quarterback question. I want to transition to receivers, but this was another one. I'm just curious on your take here. We also discussed, so I think it's week seven, Ohio State comes to Madison. Which quarterback this year would you prefer in that game Mordecai or McCord slash Brown for
1: Ohio state? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, from what I've seen, uh, I haven't seen enough on McCord at this point to be able to tell you, you know, I got in trouble when I dropped my quarterback rankings this year because I, I had Carson back on it and who's a quarterback at Georgia this year. And I didn't have McCord on there. And some people were, some Ohio state people were very upset by that. Um, The reason is I've seen Beck throw in person. Um, I've watched him in a couple workouts, and he's phenomenal. I mean, he he gives me Matthew Stafford vibes when I watch him. And I just haven't been exposed to McCord like that, so I didn't want to come out with this take, this flaming take about McCord and then have to backtrack it, you know, down the road. Um, But I would say just based on experience and what I've seen, I would probably go with Mordecai. Um, because I, I at least I know what I'm getting with him, whereas McCord is still sort of a, a wild card, um, and we need to see him. We need to see him take more reps. We need to see him play. Uh, I think Joe Burrow said this about Ohio State. He said that um, they basically they have good quarterbacks, but that have great receivers. Um, so not guys that are particularly good, you know, at quarterbacking, but the elite receivers absolutely help make up for it.
0: Yeah, it definitely plays. All right, let's talk. That's a great segue. Let's talk. uh You're like a pro here. Let's talk. The <laughs> um, so, listen, Badger fans are, I think, under very excited, right? They sh- and I think they should be. It's been a while since we've had the numbers at receiver. C.J. Williams comes in, USC transfer, Bryson Green, a couple guys from Cincinnati. Overall, what do you feel about, or how do you feel about this group of receivers that Wisconsin has?
1: Yeah, um I, I said this when I got into it with the Wisconsin fans, as you aforementioned. Um, By Wisconsin standards, this is a really great receiver group. Um, If you look at who they've had over the last few years, you know when you got Jameer Dyke, that's that's a step up. When you got some guys that can, you know, add that support, you can go into eleven personnel and feel comfortable about it. I think that's huge as well. Um, The thing is, when I look at all the other receivers in the country, uh, I'm not particularly impressed with them on as a as you know. NFL guys and that's wide receivers one of these positions right now that's starting to die at the at the next level kind of like what you have seen with the running back well we're gonna start to see that with receivers here soon because there's so many guys I think OBJ went made that catch Sunday night football and everybody went nuts and wanted to be a wide receiver now all of a sudden and we just since then uh, you know if you look at the four year trajectory after that we had the greatest class you know that you heard all the draft analysts talking about the this is the greatest wide receiver class I've ever seen and it feels like we're saying that every year after that so I think OBJ's catch had a lot to do with that and uh just the star you know the, the stars of the at the position sort of changed uh kids minds coming up in high school and getting into college and people were more interested in being receivers then you had a need for it as well with the shift to 11 you know, a lot of people went and made that shift where their base personnel package was you know, one one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. And now so now there's a lot of talent. And I think if we were talking about this Wisconsin group 10 years ago, uh, this would be a really solid group. They'd be one of the top in the Big Ten. And they'd probably have a couple of these guys we'd be talking about, a surefire NFL draft picks. And right now, Dyke is probably a late-round guy. Uh, more of a possession receiver, in my opinion. I, I've seen him work the sidelines. I've seen him do some good stuff like that. I just don't think that he has a lot of speed per se, where he's going to outrun uh, you know corners on the boundary and one on one matchups. And then uh, you know uh, Bell is also he flashed at times, but he's a high priority free agent going into next year. Not a guy that I don't think you want to spend a draft pick on because we got to also look at the other guys in the country. You know, we talked about. Marvin Harrison Jr. at Ohio State—he is, you know, one of the best receiver prospects we've seen in a long time. Um, Going right back into that point, oh, they have all these elite receivers because I got two other guys that are probably going to be drafted on that team. Michigan's got a really good group. Brew McCoy and Tennessee have a really good group. Bama's got a pretty decent group as well. They always do. They always recruit the receivers really well. You know, so looking, you know, when I put my my list together, Dyke barely breaks that top thirty. You know, and, and that's kind of the issue is, yeah, it's for by Wisconsin standards, it's going to be great. Uh, it's definitely a lot more talent than they've had in a long time. But by countrywide standards, it's a it's an OK group. You know, it's going to be serviceable, but it's nothing really particularly special.
0: How would you which, which of these guys are you more excited about uh, coming into Wisconsin? We talked about uh, Chimray. Is it Bryson Green coming from Oklahoma State? or is it DJ yeah. Williams coming in from
1: Oh yeah no 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 it's Bryson Green because Bryce Bryson's got a big body and you know uh you want that at a, at the wide receiver position especially now wide receivers uh in the NFL right now are, are essentially running backs that just get the ball 15 20 yards down the field you know you want to have that same type of skill set you want to be a guy that you know can break tackles that's going to be a big body that's going to be a problem after the catch that's really what the league is focused on uh, and that separated them. Debo Samuels had a lot to do with that in San Francisco. Uh, and you've kind of seen that shift as people started looking for players like Debo. Uh, Jonathan Mingo goes in the first round or the second round this year out of Ole Miss. Very similar player to Debo. Uh, but it's really the run after catch ability that's huge. And Bryson, you want to see him develop that. And if he does develop that and he comes up with you know these catches where he's can he can outbody defenders at the catch point, make catches through contact and then go break a couple tackles. Like we're going to be talking about him in a couple of years, but you know, that's what we want to see. Uh, it's very difficult to assess guys at Oklahoma state because, uh, as, uh, uh, my mentor, um, who was a long time NFL scout, what he likes to say is what, Hey, what, what conference is that big 12? Oh yeah, exactly. You know, just dismiss it. And it's because, you know, when you watch a receiver at Oklahoma State, they run three, four routes and that's it. You know, like it's a a go, it's a curl, it's a slant and maybe, maybe an out every once in a while. That's all they do. So it's really hard to assess what they're capable of in that scheme. And so I'm excited to see what he's going to do outside of that scheme with a with a bigger route tree.
0: That's an interesting take. Talk to me a little bit, and this, this is, I, I think, might be similar to your take on McCord, just in that you, you need to see more, mm-hmm. but the Badgers, they just historically have not gotten a, a player with the recruiting pedigree of a C.J. Williams, went to USC last year, was one of the top receivers in the country, played a tiny bit, that USC receiver room was loaded, came to Wisconsin this year. Um, is he the potential star of the group, but we just need to see
1: I would say so. Um, us, like you said, USC has a ton of receivers. I mean, there, there there's six of them. I think I was looking at last year as NFL guys. Uh, and that's not even counting, you know, Brendan Rice, that's over there. That's Jerry's son. So, um, they've got a really deep receiver group and they brought in another five star that they brought in. I think it was the number one receiver in this class, the branch, who was really solid too. Um, but the yeah, I would say that you want him to be the star. You want him to, you know, he does have the rec- recruiting pedigree. He's got the the big play ability. Um, you know, it's just you got like you see, yeah, you got to see it. You want it to be him, but you got to put in the work and you got to be able to make it happen. And that's what we want to see.
0: That's well said. All right, well, uh, we're going to come back with John. Talk a little bit about Braylon Allen and wrap up the show. But first, a hey, very quick break for friends of the show. And a quick thank you to everybody for <clears throat> putting in. Um, really, really do appreciate y'all. And let's just keep this conversation going. Let's get John back on, wrap up the show. Um, John, again, I really do appreciate the, the time, man. Uh, I think we're getting smarter because of this, or at least getting different things to think about. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about Braylon Allen, because we, we've talked about the the depth of the running back. We, you mentioned on this show, um, we've talked about on previous shows. Where, where does Braylon Allen, do you think, fit in when teams start looking at their draft boards of a, a, – a running back like him.
1: Yeah, so he's he he's a big body. I think we've got him at just under six two and two hundred and thirty five pounds. Uh, he's got great speed when he gets into the open field. I, I look at him sort of like uh, I think you know where Jacksonville took Tank Bigsby this year. Tank's a little bit smaller than uh than than Allen is, but same type of player. You know, where you get him into you get him to cut a crease Get out into the secondary, and he's a tough guy to bring down. And Allen, I think, is a step above him. And so I'm probably looking second round with Allen right now. I think that's probably where he ends up. Um, now it, you're hoping he gets a second contract. That's that's really the big question with running backs, and you know, getting that second contract, you might have to compromise a little bit. Right now, we've seen you know Saquon take a you know the franchise tag and the reduced deal you know, to make it better for everybody. I think where he got an additional, what it was additional, almost a million dollars more, but it was all, it was all based in incentives. Um, you know, and you know, you Jonathan Taylor is trying to get paid right now. Another Wisconsin guy. Uh, and he's now on the trade block. We'll see what people give up for him. I don't think that they're going to get too much for him. Honestly, I think probably like a third and maybe a, a future fifth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, at, At best. I think that's your best shot. But, um, yeah, it's he's a guy that you you take in the second round and you go okay for four years, we're gonna have this guy in our backfield and we're gonna use him uh, specifically as that downhill one cut guy that's gonna break out into the open field, and use that speed and size to just batter down, uh, a puzzling defenses.
0: Let, let me ask you this as we wrap up the show here, and I don't I, I should have asked you this before the show if you <laughs> to see if you a take here, uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot anyway with two questions. Fair enough. But, uh, the first one is. Uh, Nick Herbig, outside linebacker for Wisconsin last year, playing for the Steelers. Um, do you remember what your take on him was coming oh, out? Yes. Of <laughs> oh, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I I thought that um, he was a, he was a potentially a, a really solid outside linebacker in a three four system. The problem is uh, there's not a lot of teams now that run the three four, and it's really because you know the passing game has made pass rushing a premium. And it's very difficult to get a consistent pass rush when you're in a three-man front. The way that you do it is in a four-man front. Uh, so there's really th- like three NFL teams right now that are running a base three-four. Uh, Pittsburgh being one of them, where you know Nick ended up, which is great for him, and he's absolutely killed it. But I, I had a second, a late second, early third ground grade on him, so he went right where I thought he should, and uh, yeah, he's. It was his bend. I thought he was maybe a little bit small, but that's an advantage when you have the, the bend and the quickness, you know, because one of the big things when you go to the senior bowl, when you go to these all-star events, when you're watching these tackles, you see a lot of guys that are six, seven, six, eight, and everybody in the media is ranting or raving about them going, Oh, look at this guy. He's so big. Da Yeah. He's so big. He might not be able to get down low enough to block somebody who's pulling a speed rush. And so, you know, Nick is strong enough where he can work on the outside, uh, even though he's not doesn't have that size. He can still get down low. So now you're creating this aspect of having the six five tackle is used to blocking guys that are close to his size. Now he's now you're almost making that aspect of the six seven six eight tackle that can't get low enough. That that Herbig is making that six five guy that, you know, and that's where. Uh, Pittsburgh knew exactly what they were doing when they took him. They knew exactly what they wanted him to do. And uh, I've even heard that he's probably can even play a little bit of middle linebacker and stuff. So, you know, they're going to use him all around their defense as a pass rusher and as a run stuffer. And I think that's perfect for him.
0: Now, we're, we're excited to see it because we saw it for years in Madison Um Last question here, and then we'll wrap up. It could be one of the guys we've talked about already, but are there any other Badgers you're really excited about this year? Is there a sleeper you're looking at, or is it the players we've talked about?
1: You know, I really liked Isaiah Mullins. Um, You know, the defensive tackle made Bruce Feldman's freaks list. I've got pretty much a complete report on him, and, you know, he's been on the the Senior Bowl watch list. He was named on it uh, this week. He was on it last year, too. That's probably the guy that I'm most excited about on that team. He's just a disruptive force. And I really thought he was going to come out last year, and he didn't. And so he came back for another year. So I'm excited to see what he does.
0: I love it. Uh, John, we're going to put everything that where people can follow you in the show notes when we release it. Really do appreciate the time, my friend. Um, thank you for... Squashing our dreams of a Mordecai <laughs> <laughs> High. <think it's> <laughs> hey,
1: excited. never, never say never. I mean, Joe Burrow won a Heisman. We, nobody saw that coming, but I would say right now, yeah, no, we're not gonna. Right. Don't right. put any money on it, not yet. Well,
0: I, and I'll be fair to the listeners to the, the show and the, the, what we, we said. Could he get into the discussion? Not not win it, but even then, that would be an incredible season if he even gets to that point. And if he does, absolutely, he yeah. gets to That point, Wisconsin's going to be really good. I think we would all agree there. All right. On Wisconsin, we'll talk again tomorrow. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and thank you, John.
1: Thank you. Appreciate you, man.